Welcome to the Cinevile Roundtable brought to you by Realtalking.com. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined with Movie Files himself, Mr. Elliot. What is up, my friend? What's up, man? How we doing? Good, good. Hanging in there. How was your week? Uh, outside of, of course, the Falcon and Winter Soldiers conversation. Yeah, it was good, man. It was busy these last few days. Uh, and particularly, I think it was like Wednesday all the way up to Friday. I was like, su- I like edited like six videos, shot like seven reviews because we had, uh, what was it? Voyagers came out, a little small sci-fi thriller film which wasn't all that great uh what else do we have oh. uh them oh, them series which was a really traumatized like crazy uh deep dive into racism in the 50s uh and there was a couple of things that slipped in my you mind f- but yeah it's, it's been f- a crazy last you forgot you forgot the movie of the year thunder force thunder force yeah this kind of goes to show you uh, how <laughs> memorable that film is yeah thunder force as well uh, yeah. as well as incredible incredibles or invincible i'm sorry uh it's been an incredible watch uh, i actually i actually just started that this week so i'm looking forward to diving more into it i just saw the pilot and it was oh, bananas oof, it's, really, it's crazy really great stuff uh but before we get into some of the stuff we watched let's get into some of the news of the week i know this yeah. this will excite you i think um only four items to touch but i think um It'll excite you in terms of the possibilities of box office because Dune may be skipping the an HBO Max release in, in its entirety and be a theatrical release only. Now, I have mixed feelings about this. I'm going to see Dune in theaters. I'm sure you are as well. But I do like the option. I think the same. I, I'm one of those that am very, very open to moving into the times of we have day and date releases for everything. And mm-hmm. I think with Dune, it absolutely should be seen on the big screen. And, yeah. you know, for me and you, it's one of our most anticipated films of the year. And I, I'm i a David Lynch fan, and I hate the original Dooms. So seeing, yeah. Denis, <laughs> seeing Denis do his, his thing on this is going to be great. But I hope that this is not going to start another trend of, like, you know, we're going to go back to the way we were, even though HBO and Warner say they will. I, I find it hard to believe if this thing continues to work. But what do you think about yeah. them skipping HBO Max on this? It Honestly, man, and we've only had, what, three, four films, Tom and Jerry, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, you know, King Kong. Zach, well, Zack Snyder doesn't really count. But I, I actually like the idea. Obviously, I didn't I didn't see, unfortunately, see any of those films at the theater. But mm-hmm. I like the idea of once things kind of get back up and going to have that option to be able to see it at the theater. You know, once everything is clear, I think most cinephiles will see the films like A Dune uh, for the first time, Suicide Squad for the first time on the big screen, especially, you know, we're looking at four to five months from now. Yep. So hopefully things will be a lot better. And then the idea to be able to come home and really dissect, press play, press pause, rewind, really kind of, you know, dive into the film versus and, and and I love revisiting films at the theater. But, Same here. you know, paying another eight dollars to go see it at the theater and, and dealing with the driving and gas and all that stuff versus just seeing it at home for the first time and taking it in on the big screen and coming home and really kind of digesting it again. That to me is a really interesting concept, especially Denis Villeneuve is my favorite director, and Blade Runner 2049 is one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time, but the film bombed. And I think, yep. and not saying that Dune's going to have that, because I think the cast is a little bit more popular in regards to 
box office receipts, but I think that some people might not really care about Dune, not know what it is, might be intimidated by it, and giving them the opportunity to see it at home is going to put more eyes on it versus, unfortunately, what happened with Blade Runner for uh, 2049, so... I think they should they should do it, man. Allow people to see it at theaters and at home at the same time. Yeah, I'm, I totally agree with you. I'm one of those that liked having the option of seeing like certain movies. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah works so mm-hmm. well for me yep. on the on the small screen. And like you mentioned, it opened eyes. I know a yep. lot of people yep. that would not have paid to go see Judas and the Black Messiah, but they saw same. it. They saw it on HBO Max, and they hit me up, and they're like, "Yo, like." you were so right. This movie's incredible. Like, Daniel mm-hmm. Kaluuya is incredible. I'm glad that I was able to see it. Um, but the real takeaway from your, your soliloquy here, you only pay $8 to go to the movies? Oh, that was just like a, a roundabout number. Oh, uh, I was about... I have the AMC, uh, whatever. Oh, thing yeah, the, 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 the movie, the movie yeah, AMC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because... Like 20 bucks. Okay, great. Because I, uh, here in New York, the movies are, tw- uh, if you want to see IMAX, it's $28. Well, I will say, and this is like... I feel so uh, – I don't even know because I have been to the theater literally in over more than a year. But there was a AMC that's in a mall out here where I live in St. Louis, and literally they have – I think their IMAX starts at like $12. Oh and like my regular God. theaters is like 8 28 or something like that. And that's like prime time hours, and even when it's earlier in the day, it's even cheaper. So there is one theater that has a pretty good hookup out here. Yeah, I actually went to – a couple of years ago, I went to my wife's uh, – my wife's cousin's husband's in the uh, – I believe the uh, the Air Force or something like that, and mm-hmm. they were living in Virginia. So we went down for Labor Day weekend, and uh, they were like, "Let's go to the movies or whatever." So we went to kind of similar situation: a theater in the mall, mm-hmm. seven o'clock on a Saturday. It was like five dollars, and in yeah, my head, yeah. I'm like, oh "My God, like this is this is incredible." I actually went to and going back on the theatrical experience. Um, I finally I slacked on this. My screener, I forgot to watch it in the 24 hours I had, and uh, for nobody. And oh, I, Perfect, I actually yeah. I actually went to the theater for it. And I think I went to see Tenet in theaters, and I think that people are starting to get um, uh, they don't care about the rules of mandating the mask. So I'm fully vaccinated, full disclosure, but I wasn't at that time. I was still on my first Mm -hmm. and people were not wearing their mask throughout the movie. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, this I'm not not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. for this. Uh, Although nobody was excellent, but, but yeah, it definitely wasn't my cup of tea, but yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I hope that they go back on this and they, does release on HBO Max because like you mm-hmm. mentioned I think this is a very intimidating subject matter and for those that don't know that this is only part one and when this movie ends on a cliffhanger people are going to be upset mm-hmm. so um, yeah I totally agree that it's something cha- as challenging as this deserves to be seen on HBO Max and by more people so and I'm with you on Blade Runner 2049 it's one of the best movies of the decade so I, I uh, yeah and it makes so much sense too that they're having I don't know where this stands in regards to the announcement they made a couple years ago in conjunction when making this film that they wanted to do an HBO Max uh, mother series to explore the mothers of, of, of Dune uh, and dive into all that so it's just like even more to kind of symbiotic relationship but like hey already getting people set up for like oh I watched Dune on HBO Max I can watch the movie on or the TV show whenever it comes out so yep. it just and, makes sense but you know Denis Villeneuve is fighting nail and tooth man to keep that in theater experience only so for, I mean I, I, I get it for sure and then the big thing is you kind of touched on something uh, before we move on the rewatchability uh, concept because for me I remember uh, 
I'd rather rewatch these in theaters. Don't get me wrong, but I yeah. remember when Avengers Endgame came out, and this is com- mm-hmm. this is night and day comparison. But I would have loved seeing Avengers Endgame that week only in theaters, and then mm-hmm. like seven days later, you have it on Disney Plus if when Disney, yep. if Disney Plus was around, and be able to just rewatch it there over mm-hmm. and over and be able to dissect things that you may have missed in theaters. So I, I totally agree. Like you have that option to come back, go see Suicide Squad in August and then come home and rewatch it right away and then exactly. just go online and review it. So we'll see what happens, but um I'm glad that we're on the same boat with the idea. Uh other news, I personally am very, very much looking forward to Top Gun Maverick. I'm a big stand for the original. Uh, as ridiculous as it is, um, <laughs> they're moving forward to July to November. I actually thought Fourth mm-hmm. of July was a sweet spot for this movie. Like, dude, it's, yes, it, 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 it sold it. It sold itself. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to see this, and fans of the original want to see mm-hmm. this. People that just want to see Tom Cruise do some crazy shit, yep. they want to see this. So this is moving to November now, and while yeah. Mission Impossible is moving to 2022, which that's not too surprising. The yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm glad it seems like you agree with me. Like this is not a good move. I think this would have killed it at the box office Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, I mean, based on the numbers that we just got with Kong uh, or uh, Godzilla versus Kong, I think that film would have destroyed the box office mm-hmm. man i think by hopefully in three more months as things have again kind of opened up and people are feeling more comfortable going to the theaters i think that would have been a perfect kind of blockbuster you know maybe the first time the family's gone out all summer to the theater in a while to go see that or again like you mentioned the people that are diehard fans of this uh classic 80s film would have just destroyed it man but again i guess they're in Paramount, that's like one, like you mentioned uh mission impossible there was like a whole slate of things that they just kind of uh maneuvered so yeah November, I mean, it's, I can't think off top, but I think there's some pretty stiff competition. Yeah, not so saying they that have, the Maverick won't wipe it out, but I mean, it's, it's pretty crowded November. They have Ghostbusters in November. Mm-hmm. So it's two two bits of nostalgia in the same month. It's tough. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, but correct me if I'm wrong, is Eternals November as well? I was going to say, I, I'm pretty sure there's a, a Marvel film, and I think it is. And it's, yeah, I think November is Eternals date, which I think Eternals is going to sweep at the box office too. So, yes. Oh, yeah. It, it they eat into each other's audience. I think there's going to be enough uh, distinguishment in regards to who's seeing Mavic versus uh, uh, you know Marvel, but I think there will be some crossover. So it's going to be some stiff competition, man. Oh, for sure. An interesting concept that I with Eternals now is the fact that I think it's going to draw more eyes because Chloe Zhao is going to win an Oscar next yeah. in about two weeks, and those people that like know Madeline, they're like, oh, I wonder what she's going to actually do with the, with the comic book genre. What what mm-hmm. what? could she possibly do so the eternals box office probably went up another like 50 60 million on opening weekend and jolie she accidentally that new movie that they just uh ty shirt uh, uh ty sheridan's new film or yep. not ty sheridan but uh can't think of the director right now who's uh the director or the writer of sicario and hell high water Hella high water yeah yeah i know they uh she's gonna have that you know i think that film's gonna be pretty interesting so people are gonna probably get because it's been a while since we've seen angelina in, a, in an action film so i think that's gonna even help uh, eternals too once people see that that new film she's in with the whole fire fighting situation in the forest for sure and then last two bits of news uh netflix reaches a deal to stream new sony films um interesting to say the least to man, that and <laughs> top on the 450 for the two for sequels the, of knives, knives out, out. Yeah. i mean they they're playing ball man and that's so to me that's really encouraging that they're not trying to be stale they realize they know that they're still king of the hill even though disney's right up on their heels in the next coming years but it still shows to me that they're 
very aware that they don't want to end up being that stale company that just kind of puts out again the the 30th you know perfect date film murder mystery and, and just playing on all that but they're really ready to play ball and compete with disney hbo max you know paramount plus all that stuff i mean that's a huge deal to lock with sony and i oh, mean yeah I guess this kind of makes up for that whole deal falling apart with James Bond when they had with MGM and Sony. So they're just like, hey, let's 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 talk a little bit more. And they made it happen, man. And now Sony has a home. So if they don't want to yeah. release things in theaters, they want to just throw new mm-hmm. stuff on there. They're they're good to go. So I wonder how that affects uh, the future with with Spider Man films with them with Disney and Disney Plus. So this is a this is a little inside inside uh insider baseball talk. Like I went on a cruise two years ago when the world is still normal and um it was the it was a disney cruise and the um it was the weekend that spider-man came out so mm-hmm. th- what disney does anyone that goes on a cruise uh, a disney cruise know that would know this that when a new film releases marvel animated doesn't matter they play it in the theater on a cruise mm. so I was expecting to see Spider-Man there, not when I got back. So it's release day and I'm looking at the theater lineup and I'm like, I don't see Spider-Man. And I'm like, okay, what's going on here? So I went to talk to someone that worked on the ship and he essentially said this, even though Spider-Man is part of the MCU, it is still a Sony property. They are legally not allowed to play Spider-Man on any Disney uh, ship. Mm. And that's why you don't see Spider-Man on Disney+. Plus. So right, I think right. to answer your question, I think that Tom Holland stuff is going to be on Netflix. And then right. we're going to have a world where Netflix is now going to enter the conversation of like, all right, how much comic book properties can they actually have from Spider-Man on there? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit of news is, uh, Elliot, are you a fan of Indiana Jones and the crystal skull no i am not (laughs) so we're getting another one and um i don't think i don't think you're excited about that huh no i don't know man it's james mangle though it's james mangle man no offense to my older demographic out there but i mean come on man uh my man harrison ford is pushing in his 80s and I don't know. It's going to be weird, man. I don't know how they're going to have this man. He's going to be on a, in a, in a, on a walker doing all these adventures. Like, it's going to just, I don't know. Sure. We'll see. Like you said, James Mango, I, I, he had the swan song with an older Logan story. So maybe he can give uh, Harrison Ford some berserker juice to yeah, get him amped sure. up. But the only the only news that the news I wanted to mention here was Phoebe Waller-Bridge is joining the cast. Mm-hmm. And then John Williams is scoring the film, which, is, of course, yeah. it's John Williams. He has to score this movie. So um, I don't know how many movies he has left, but I'm glad yeah. that he's going to be able to touch on this and i i agree with you on harrison ford i mean good for him good for him he's kind of doing yeah. the the slice the loan route just diving into those old properties that still work yeah. so um good for him on that and then that's pretty much all the news of the week uh in terms of highlighting some stuff that i watched this week before handing it over to you i saw thunder force kind of touched on it before i i hope you co-signed this is one of the worst movies of the year so far, man, it's uh, I will to play devil's advocate. I actually had a little bit of a fun time with the the superhero origins and the superhero elements of the film. Uh, and I was very surprised that Ben Falcone to me is a really terrible writer. So I was kind of I was really interested in that. And I love I'm a sucker for origin stories and superhero journeys and seeing, you know, them learning from their mistakes and all that stuff. So I'm kind of got I, I kind of like that element. And 
call me a Jason Bateman stan, but oh, I that was like, my favorite part. Yeah, I would say I, anything Jason Bateman's in, I thought he was the funniest part of the film and the highlight of the movie. But Ben Falcone, Melissa McCartney, shout out to the you know power couple working together, but they literally need to go their separate ways, not yep. marriagely speaking, but movie speaking, because every film I've seen them do together it's is terrible. terrible. Yep. He relies so heavily on Melissa McCartney to just improv and just he does not know when to end a joke. He just keeps the camera rolling and just sucks all the juice and energy out of the scene so she needs to work continue to work with paul feig when it comes to the commies and leave ben falcone in the uh, in the dust bag <laughs> now i agree it's funny you it, i totally agree with you on that she doesn't work with him she gets an oscar nomination <laughs> look at yeah. like two years ago she was an oscar nominee and now she's making this i'm not a big M- melissa mccarthy fan to be completely honest with you but uh my wife wanted to watch it and uh octavia spencer is great so I figured this may be somewhat decent, but it is. Yeah, I like the origin stuff that you mentioned, and and Jason yeah. Bateman is hilarious. But yeah, it just mm-hmm. did, didn't work for me. And if for for a hundred minute film, it felt like I was watching it for two hours. It, yeah. it really dragged. Uh, yeah. The other yeah. the other things I wanted to highlight that I saw uh, this HBO Max documentary called The Last Cruise. If, mm-hmm. It's a COVID documentary, but it's about forty five minutes. It's not going to take too much time. But it pretty much mm-hmm. touches on the cruise that's started the spread and Ooh. it has highlight it has people on the ship youtube not, well i guess streaming their experiences on the ship while everything is going on it's, oh wow yeah it's if you're if you i i deal with a crazy anxiety with this covid stuff but like if you're able to like don't have too much anxiety with this it's an interesting dive and it's only mm-hmm. 45 minutes so very very interesting uh the the um Last two things here. I actually did not watch Falcon and Winter Soldier this week. Mm-hmm. I am very I'm very late to the game, but I heard it was an excellent episode. But I did see the Mighty Ducks. I am so in on that show. Really? Uh, yeah, like it feels it's not as good as Cobra Kai. Don't get me wrong. But it Which feels, I still haven't seen, yeah. <gasps> oh yeah. I know. I still gotta catch oh, up on that. So good. But it has the Cobra Kai vibes in yeah. terms of the uh you're you're banking on the, the nostalgia of the property and creating new stories rather than just harp on the old stuff. And I think this does a good job with that. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Mighty Ducks, so I guess that's mm-hmm. probably it, it. This show is basically a nostalgia feel for those fans of the uh, of the property. Mm-hmm. That's where I see the differ the difference between Cobra Kai and this. I don't believe this is creating new fans. I believe this is going to just be the niche for those that really like it. Unlike right. Cobra Kai, I know people that watch Cobra Kai that never watched the karate kid and they just love mm-hmm. the the show so i enjoy it and then the other thing i wanted to touch on were anyone any listener that just wants a full dive education on film from the golden age to today there is a documentary on hbo with six parts called movies and it it's six parts and each part dives in on a different era so mm-hmm. you start with the golden age of hollywood the silent the first uh talkie all the way down to the 1950s then there's mm-hmm. one on the 60s 70s 80s 90s and then finally culminating with 2000s it's very insightful and it's very mm-hmm. it's one of those situations where if anyone wants to gain some film knowledge and this is the way to go i think this yeah. touches on a lot of stuff that you know you and i may have seen but a, mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't so yeah any highlights on your end um again uh you know Fal- like you mentioned falcon and winter soldier was uh probably my second favorite episode of the series so far and i think it's just gonna really kind of close out on a high note at least fingers crossed on that but probably the biggest thing was uh was them man on on amazon because i know a lot of people oh it's the, the us tv show which literally has nothing to do with us at all i know a lot of people were comparing it to it because of the posters yeah. and maybe some of the vibes of the trailer and, and plus the 
little girl in the show is she was in us as well but no it's it's a really uh interesting show dive into you know 1953 during a, a great immigration point where over six million uh, african-americans migrated from you know the jim crow south to the midwest and the west coast and you have this black family of four moving into uh compton which you know as we see compton now we you know it's completely different than what it was in the 50s Pre- predominantly you know white families and this is the first black family well you, you learn to show there's other black families and you kind of learn what happened to them. But they move into the neighborhood. And as you can imagine, 1953, yeah. black family, you know, white neighbors, all the type of words you can think of and just terror and, and racism and bigotry and everything you can think of. And then you add on top that there's a demonic presence in the house. So it was a really interesting show, very triggering, very disturbing stuff that goes down, not only on the racism point, but there's a particular moment that involves a family tragedy that it gets really dark and it did not leave it up to your imagination. They show you everything, which was pretty bold, but it's, it's a pretty decent watch, man. If you got, uh, you know, some, some time to spare 10 hours or 10 episodes, 35, 45 minute episodes, not bad. And, uh, pretty interesting show. Not bad. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to get your, before we uh, move on to the next topic, I wanted to ask, I wonder I've been thinking about this and I've spoken to a few people about it. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, from what I've seen, the three episodes that I've seen so far, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. I mm-hmm. do prefer it more uh, than WandaVision, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But why do you think there's such little discussion about this show? Because I've noticed that the social yeah. media vibe is not there the way it was for WandaVision. Like my, mm-hmm. t- my two cents before handing it off to you is that WandaVision was the first thing we got in about two years. So mm-hmm. that anticipation and theories that were being created yeah. led to the, that disco- discourse and conversation. While Falcon and Winter Soldier is, is more typical Marvel and yeah. it's more direct and in your face rather than theory creation. I don't know if you agree or what your take is on that. Yeah, no, I think you hit it right on the head, man. In regards to it was the first thing out of the gate for Phase 4. You know, we all were kind of craving some Marvel content. And plus the whole mystery box of what's going on, the first three episodes taking place in that era and really not dive into, you know, how did Wanda get there? How did she bring Vision? All the questions like you just mentioned. It was kind of created for that type of experience, which I think Loki's going to be kind of that same thing. But I think Loki's going to be a mixture of action and kind of some mystery box that uh the falcon and winter soldier is kind of missing because like you mentioned even though like you said it is more straightforward a little bit more marvel based it still is kind of breaking the boundary with dealing with stuff that marvel especially when you see this latest episode man it's it's one of the darkest things i've ever seen marvel do in regards to what happens in this latest episode so they are more of a straightforward line and where you can see where things are headed versus wandavision was a little bit like i said more of a you know lost jj abrams mystery box but I think the the whole social media presence is just yes, you can't get Mephisto's and nightmares and all the theories of X Men coming into the universe. It doesn't have that type of appeal to it, which makes when we do get a cameo, which has been rumored for next week, it's going to really surprise people because no no one was expecting something as WandaVision. Everyone again was expecting Professor X to come in the mix. You have Pietro, you know, X Men are coming. So this show didn't necessarily have that type of uh, uh, writing or type of uh, story plots to really get people talking regarding theories and all that stuff. And it's funny you mentioned that there's not outright, you know, assumptions about where the X Men, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they touch it on this episode, but mm-hmm. I... I remember being told, and not like it's been a while since I've really read a lot of Marvel, but there is there is a a location that is mentioned in episode three, uh, Madripoor. Madripoor, yep. That is an X Men staple. A lot of X Men, uh, Logan, and uh, yeah. So I wonder if the gateway to the X Men is actually here, 
and not where we expected. It'd be interesting if because a lot of X Men stories of the last few years are there. So uh, yeah, but I I we're we're three episodes. I mean, well, there's two episodes left now, so looking forward yeah. to diving in this week. So yeah, that wraps up some of the news here. So what we're doing here before we finish off for the day is a first thing. First time we're doing this. I I'm a fan of fantasy football. I do mm-hmm. fantasy draft. I'm a fan of sports. I'm a fan of movies. Yeah. I used to th- I used to do this thing called fantasy movie league every single week uh, while mm-hmm. the while theaters are still open. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I I was gonna sign up for it for a bit because I remember uh, I used to watch uh, Collider back in the day and uh, they used to uh, what's her name Perry Nimrod or something like that. Oh yeah, Perry. Used yeah. To do some, yeah, she used to do some type of league that I was gonna sign up for. I just never did. But yeah, that it's the perfect combination. I love sports as well and movies and you put the two together, it's a perfect match in heaven. Yep. So what we're, what we're gonna call what I'm gonna call this is yesteryear. So what we're, the real talk fantasy movie draft. So what this entire what this entails is every month we're going to come together and we're going to get a year, a year in film, and we're going to go through different genres and we're going to pick a movie. How it works is I'm going since it's just me and Elliot today, I'm going to give Elliot the number one pick once he picks the movie and what genre that movie is from. I am not allowed to pick that movie at the end of at the end of this. Once we finish our six, seven genres. When the podcast podcast releases, I'm going to throw both our lists up on our Instagram. Our listeners and and followers will vote, and whoever whoever gets the most votes throughout the 24 hour period has the best draft of that week and that or that month and that year. Mm-hmm. So, I felt like we we're going to skip 2020, and I wanted to go directly to 2019. And every month we're going to go down a year. So, mm-hmm. uh, 20 next month the guys and I are going to be doing 2018. But I wanted to start at 2019 because I think 2019. For me, and I don't know if you would agree, is one of the best years I've had as a cinephile in terms of all the quality of films. I felt like there was banger after banger after banger every month in 2019. And I think that um, even the Oscar year shows for me that it's one of the best best picture lineups that we've ever had. I mean, we had Avengers Endgame and Joker in the span of six months. I mean, that, right. that kind of shows how powerful that was, even in the comic book genre. So mm-hmm. 2019... Any thoughts on the year overall before we get started? No, I think you hit it uh, hit it on the head, man. Uh, big blockbuster, uh, world shattering, record breaking in game uh, to you know small independent films. Uh, you know uh, Jojo Rabbit, Parasite. Uh, you know a nice murder mystery comedy and Knives Out. Something with some social uh, social commentary with uh, Queen and Slim. You know Doctor Sleep, a great sequel uh, yes. that ties into the original. So yeah, it was a, it was a crazy year for cinema. Uh, you know, and there's some stinkers in there, Gemini Man, and uh, some other stuff. Uh, but uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, you know, it was just a, a Jordan Peele. Uh, it was a crazy year, man, for I, for 2019. I must say, um, full disclosure, I just finally saw a few months ago. Uh, Gemini man thoughts um it looked very pretty on my television <laughs> yeah I yeah. I um I was able to see it with uh I because I have a 4k tv in the 4k player so it's like that upscaled quality mm-hmm. that's solid that's as much as I can say it would have re- yeah. it would have done really well in the 1990s like if this movie yeah, came out like yeah, in 1996 yeah. I think it would have been a Kinda hit like a face-off type exactly of, uh... yeah yeah but it's it's a little bit you know too far removed from like what we do with action movies nowadays Mm -hmm. i i like a hot take i think i mean will smith is one of the goats in terms of box office superstars but it's been a while (laughs) it's been a while for him i think this year he may actually have a an oscar player with the serena venus story 
uh, the King mm-hmm. Richard. So King Richard, yeah. Yeah, so that could be something. But uh, but yeah, let's get started. The categories that we're going to do here today are blockbuster, horror, comedy musical, action, drama, sequel. I forgot to mention sequel, but this should be an easy one for us because there's so many sequels that came out in, mm-hmm. in 2019. And flex. For anyone that doesn't do fantasy football, what a flex position does is that you can pick any movie from any genre. And the only... The only rules in terms of blockbuster is that the movie has to have made over one hundred million dollar domestic gross. So, mm. Elliot, you're up first. You have the number one pick. What genre are you doing, and what is your number one overall pick? Uh, so number one, Umar numero uh, genre is gonna be out of the, I guess, superhero action realm. Uh, it's the box office hit, man. And due to Avatar, it's number two now. But Avengers Endgame, man. Nice, absolutely. That is uh. You already stole one of my picks. So, yeah, <laughs> um, it's I mean, there's there's no denying that is the biggest movie of that year. I think it's probably for me the best theatrical experience I've ever had. Yes, it it it's unbelievable that I remember still every single moment of that mm-hmm. experience. And same. The, I, I don't know if you had this with your with your experience the first time you watched it. But I remember um when spoiler alert the movie's almost two years old so i can say this when tony tony stark dies Mm -hmm. and when these two specific when tony stark dies when Mm -hmm. um peter parker comes back Mm -hmm. i could hear the tears behind me and in front of me and next to me it was it was pretty crazy like i've never been in a situation where you literally hear deafening tears across the entire theater which is Mm -hmm. shows the power of that movie great choice so for me i'm gonna go blockbuster here and I am going to go with Joker. Mm. So I wanted to, I was going to put it in drama because I think Joker is more of a drama than an actual action movie. But 100%, the yeah. movie made a billion dollars and made, it yeah. was, it was Some Oscar uh, nominations. And yeah. One went in the Oscars. Yeah. It was one of those situations where the theatrical experience I remember, but for not, the best reasons with uh, same dude with the security beef up and all that. Yeah, man. Or like, something more. Yeah, it, it was uh, us in New York here. Uh, mm-hmm. It premiered at New York Film Festival two days before. And I had mm-hmm. a buddy of mine that was uh, covering NYFF. So he was over there and mm-hmm. he sent me pictures and there was SWAT team checking yeah. bags when you're walking into the theater. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mentally prepared myself for what I was going to get like a day later. So when I yeah. went, it was similar situation, SWAT all over, but yeah. there was undercover detectives sitting in my row. Oh, geez. So it was it was pretty intense. Like, it, you know, you have two dip two you have a yin and a yang on, on theatrical experiences with those two. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, that's my number one would be Blockbuster Joker. What do you have as your second pick overall? Second pick, uh, I'm gonna go with let's let's do some horror, man. I'm I'm a horror. Well, you know what? I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go horror. I'm gonna go horror. I'm gonna go horror first, and I'm gonna go with uh, Doctor Sleep, man. Nice, you sold my pick. (laughs) Yeah, Doctor Sleep, dude. Like, I don't think people have appreciated what Mike Flanagan was able to do to not only pay homage and kind of follow up to a Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick classic, one of my favorite horror films of all time, but pay homage to the book as well as the sequel and also having its own independent feel and vibe and story being told. It was a lot on this plate as well as it's an excellent film. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Dr. Sleep, man, is is one of my favorites. I'm so upset that that film wasn't able to do as well. I kind of knew it. I, I think they it's one of those, you know, Transformers, Bumblebee situations where Dr. Sleep, you know, if it would have had 
The Shining presents Doctor Sleep. Maybe it would have got a little bit more box office uh, appreciation, but I appreciate it for what it was. I love that film. Oh yeah, same here. It's uh, my favorite horror film of that year. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think it does so much. Flanagan does so much with that story that just doesn't make it. I like I said when I when we reviewed it on the on the podcast and I reviewed it for the site a few years when it dropped my, my, my thoughts were being me being a Kubrick stand. Like he's one of, he's my top in my top three favorite directors. I love that. Doc, what he, what Flanagan does with Dr. Sleep is he pays homage to the Stephen King and Kubrick. Yeah. So yep. that, that it works time. so well for me. So because I'm going to stick in the horror genre for my pick, because I don't have another, uh, horror film that I loved. So there's two horror films of 2019 that I adored. You got one. You stole my pick, so I'm actually going to go with Us. So Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, nice. I think that, and I know you may think it's blasphemous, I th- like Us more than I like Get Out. Yeah, it's blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> um, so hear me out. Hear me out. I, I think that it's one of those situations where Get Out kind and I think Get Out is a masterpiece. Don't get me wrong. I think that Get Out gives you the answers to the questions. While us challenges the viewer to create those answers on your own, and what puts it over the top for me is um, Lupita Nyong'o's performances. One, I think for me is the best female performance of the year of 2019. I think she is incredible, mm-hmm. and um, I will never listen to "I Got Five on it the same ever <laughs> because that scene at the end of the movie where she's doing mm-hmm. that dance sequence is incredible. Um, yeah. What did you think before we move on to the next pick? What did you think of the ending? Was it predictable for you? Did you kind of see that coming? That it was a, t- a switch off? Um, I'm trying to put myself in that mindset a couple years ago because that was another theatrical experience. I remember being, you know, the crowd laughing, you know, being at complete silence. Uh, I think I remember seeing it kind of coming, and I was really anticipating that film again. Like you mentioned, get, coming off of Get Out, I was one of those analyzing all the different trailers and just really diving deep into the behind the scenes and kind of getting a vibe that it was going to be some kind of body switch or some type of uh, situation. I think you know later, halfway through the movie, I kind of put that together, you know, while watching it. But like you said, man, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, whew, she knocked it out of the park, man, doing those dual roles and also the cast in general. You know, uh, Wilson Duke uh, and everyone and in, in, in crew. I thought. It was a really uh, it's a good pick man but yeah get out is still still over number one for me oh, yeah. no that definitely definitely get it i'm one of i i i think where get out loses me and i mean it doesn't lose me it's just yeah these the social commentary that you're telling for the first hour and 20 minutes because the movie's mm-hmm. about an hour and 40 okay hour yeah. 30 minutes i think um it kind of shifts from like this great social commentary to just a traditional horror film with mm-hmm. like the whole brain surgery thing that they were trying to do at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's the only, if there's a chink, I still think it's a masterpiece, but I think if there's a chink and that's why I put us a little bit over, mm-hmm. that's why, but there, I totally get uh, everyone's love for it. Cause I, I love it as well. All right. Yeah. You're up. What is your next pick? Let's see. Let's see. Um, looking through the list, you said one of the categories was was sequels, yes. right? Da, da, da. I think I'm gonna go because this was another theatrical experience that I remember from two years ago, just being like completely in awe. I'm going with John Wick three, man. Nice. Um, I think John Wick three it was you talk about exhilarating experiences. 
that first 15 minute intro, just kicking things off in a high gear and just you know, building the world out. It gets a little ridiculous at the end. Uh, well, all of them are ridiculous moments, but you know, falling off of a building, surviving spoiler alert for John Wick is kind of crazy. But nonetheless, I just think of just again, theatrical experience, a great action film, a great action, you know, Mr. Keanu Reeves, Matrix, you know, Speed, you point break, you name it. I mean, he's one of the goats in, in that genre. I just had so much fun with that film. And it is my favorite John Wick movie out of the three, which, again, you talk about the little engine that could, how that film went from, you know, the budget of part one to where we are with part four and five and a, and a spinoff TV series is just incredible. Do you think, um, before we move on, do you think that he is now more known for John Wick than The Matrix? Yes, I do. I definitely think so. I think not only just generationally speaking that everyone now is a little bit more plugged in with social media and all that versus, you know, obviously the 90s and mid 2000s. But I think this quality of film also helps. I literally think that the John Wick series, even the Matrix, even though it can probably hold its own, its own, like taking two slots, being such a revolutionary action sci-fi film. But I think, you know, Reloaded and and Revolutions uh, and obviously we get the next one later this year. We'll see how it goes. But I think John Wick is is more he's going to be predominantly known, especially if we they knock out of the park for four or five. I think he'll submit his uh, legacy with being known for, uh, you know, John Wick role. For sure. Uh, I'm going to stick in the sequel route as well. And I'm actually going to go with Spider-Man Far From Home. Nice. I think... uh, I think this is this movie, and I think this specific franchise uh, is a love letter to John Hughes, seeing mm-hmm. as everything mm-hmm. about it feels like a traditional John Hughes movie with blended in with a comic book film. Mm-hmm. I at first, I, I I remember being on my cruise and hearing like because I still I bought internet just to keep you know touch with the world. I heard mm-hmm. so much hype for this, and I will say the first time I saw it, I was a little bit underwhelmed with mm-hmm. the the movie matching the hype. I still thought the movie was fantastic. But on recent rewatches, I actually wanted to rewatch this last year after watching John Hughes' movie. So I did this John Hughes marathon, and then I just put on Far From Home. And I was like, oh my god, this is a John Hughes movie. Like, if John mm-hmm. Hughes was able mm-hmm. to make a comic book movie, this is the movie he this would give it. us. This is it. Yeah. Um, and Zendaya and Tom Holland's chemistry is so fantastic. And just the Easter egg that it sets up at the end of the movie is worth the price of admission on its own. So sequel mm-hmm. for me, Spider-Man Far From Home. I can't wait for December for this uh, for this next entry. No I, I, yeah. I, I I cannot wait. But yeah, that's my that's my next pick. Sequel Spider-Man Far From Home. What do you got next? Ooh, I'm looking through the list, man. It gets hard now. <laughs> yeah, because I'm looking at uh, the categories of, of drama, uh, and I'm trying to think with comedy musical. <sighs> Ah, jeez. I think I might go with comedy musical, but I don't know if this is necessarily a – this isn't a comedy at all. And I want to put it on the list because I love this film. So I'm going to go – I'm just going to jump to drama. You know what? I'm just going to do drama. You know what? God damn it. <laughs> this gets hard. Yeah, it gets harder when you're running out of picks. Um, I think – and I think I know where you want to go, and I hope you don't go there because I want that – that was actually my next my next pick. Uh, comedy drama, comedy drama. I'm trying to think, dude. I'm going to go with comedy, musical, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I'm going drama, parasite. I'm Damn it. it. You did it. Oh, yeah. man, you did it. I, that literally, <laughs> I literally have written down drama, 
Parasite. Yeah. Oh yep. man, good good stuff. I mean, what can be said? <laughs> Parasite is, is a masterpiece. Hey man, it's it's not only that, but I mean, Bung Joon Ho. I mean, this guy is a legend, man. Rather be that and Murder's Mysteries, what I saw for the first time last year. Uh, I mean, the dude's a goat, and this film is just like I remember. It, it breaks barriers, man, because I, I, I respect people's opinion, but the whole can't watch foreign films uh, because of the subtitle things. I, I hope that 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 uh, stigma has been broken apart from this film, because I think uh, you know there's a lot of Korean films, independent, you know, uh, international films that are just just as good, if not better, than Americanized film. Well, I think they are better, without a doubt, and and a lot of the different genres that they give us, especially in the drama and action realm and horror realm as well. But Parasite man breaks the boundary incredible performances incredible direction you talk about imagery telling the stories and in the deep dives and the meaning behinds and the subtext as well as being a straightforward film for a lot of people that might not see all the nuances in the story that they're telling in regards to uh wealth and 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 putting you know uh, people below you and and you know all that stuff that the film has to say on top of being that's a bit of a comedy for that first half and diving more into the drama almost horrific vibes towards the second and third act so what else can be said about the Oscar winner, uh, direct, best director, uh, and, and best picture that year? Yeah, man, I uh, I was one of those that I actually saw it by myself. Uh, I saw it in July, so mm-hmm. before like I I knew it won the Palm, and I had heard about the hype, and then when I saw it, I was blown away. Those twists in that movie are ones are probably some of my favorite because I did yeah, not yeah. see any of them coming, especially the one at the end. You mm-hmm. think you're getting this this um. Spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen it. You definitely should have it already by now. Uh, you'd think that you're getting this happy ending, but it, when it's when you it's revealed that it's all in his head about what he wants to do to get his father out. It, it's yeah. it's all of my it's heartbreaking, but it works so beautifully. Mm-hmm. So you stole my pick, and I'm completely bummed. So I'm gonna go to comedy musical here, yeah. and I'm gonna go Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I was going to say that one a little bit earlier because uh, I love Quentin Chino. And that film is like fine wine, man. It gets better and better. Oh, yeah. To watch it. It's a I, I blasphemous for many that are listening to this. I actually have it as my number two QT film. Ooh, interesting. So, pulp is I num- guess in front of I was say, yeah, what is what's pulp, in front of? And I yeah. guess what's behind? What's number so, three? Number three is Inglorious. Okay. I gotcha. actually like I. I there is not outside of Death Proof, and I know you. I think we've spoken about QT on here a little bit. I don't love mm-hmm. Jackie Brown. I think Jackie no, Brown I is fine. I think Jackie Brown. It doesn't feel like a QT film mm-hmm. because I I, don't, I believe this is the only one he did not write. So I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't. I mean, great performances across the board in Jackie Brown, but I think it's for me it's on the on the lower end. Mm-hmm. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has everything I like about films as a whole. It has. A love letter to Hollywood. That's one. I love. I just love old films that just tribute Hollywood or old Hollywood because I'm such a fan of that era. Mm-hmm. But it too it has two of the best performances of that year with, um, uh, Brad Pitt and, Le- and Brad Leo. Brad Pitt and Leo. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I actually think uh, I think Leo. Cliff. What? Cliff the booth. Man, I think Leo's <clears throat> performance in here is pro- outside of Wolf of Wall Street is my favorite. I think it's really? it's very nuanced what he does here. I'm not mm-hmm. I, I like I like the Revenant just fine. I just yeah. think he won that Oscar because he's Leo fucking DiCaprio and he <laughs> should have had an Oscar a while ago. Uh but this movie as a whole works for me. I understand. I I've spoken to people that don't love it mm-hmm. and they think it's a little bit slow pace. I don't I don't think so. I think it's paced very, very well. And mm-hmm. I actually want my favorite scene in that movie, outside of the Brad Pitt Bruce Bruce Lee stuff, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I really, really dig 
all the stuff at the Manson Ranch. Mm. I love the fact that you, you know, some people are like, oh, but you don't get Charles Manson. And I actually think if you go in there thinking that you're just going to get this true story about Charles mm-hmm. Manson or whatever, you're going to be yeah. disappointed because that's not what it is. 100%. Yeah. And then my other favorite film that is the most subtly beautiful moment of that film is when uh, Mar- Margot Robbie, who plays Sharon Tate, goes to watch mm. the movie, and all you see is her facial reaction to her on the screen. Yeah, I think that is yeah. such a great moment in that film that a lot of mm. people don't talk about. And they're mm-hmm. like, there were a lot of word during that, a lot of word during that time that oh, Margot Robbie should be w- getting a nominee for an Oscar for Hollywood, and they're like, but she's barely in. I'm like, no, but she has an Oscar scene, and she doesn't mm-hmm. say one word. <laughs> it, it, yeah. that, and of course, the end, the batshit fucking crazy ending that that we got. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if anyone loves Inglorious Bastards, no one should be surprised that we got that ending. So, oh yeah, QT loves <laughs> rewriting history, and then he yeah. did that with that. So yeah, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, comedy oh, musical. Yeah. Uh, what do you got next? What's your next pick? So I'm torn between these two. I'm gonna go comedy musical as well. Um, <clears throat> and I'm looking at two films on my list, and I'm, I'm debating on which route to go with this. Uh, I'm gonna go. Gosh, is this a comedy? Uncut Gems? Would you consider yeah. that? Uh, or not? I, it's more. Of a... It's. I don't know. It's tough. Like it. It is funny. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I. But I, so I, you know, I'll switch it up. So I'll go with the other pick because I think this is a little bit more of a comedy. Uh, Knives Out. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Yep. Uh, not only did it you know, give you the murder vibes and the mystery box, but it is a, it's truly a hilarious film. And the banter, the back and forth, obviously Daniel Craig, my boy's Chris Evans st- steps up to the plate. Jamie Lee Curtis, the cast is incredible. It's it's a good comedy. It's, it's a good uh, drama as well, but there's some pretty good comedy beats within that film too. Yeah, I uh, I was I, – I joke with people. I, I think – I don't know if we've ever spoken about this. Are you a fan of The Last Jedi? Yeah, I am. Okay, I, I – I'm going to do we're planning on doing a podcast in December just on like the five year anniversary and I want to bring someone on that hates it. Um, mm. He's the with Knives Out and these sequels now he's taking he's laughing to the bank now for anyone mm. that hates Ryan Johnson. I, yeah, I think Knives Out is brilliant. I yeah. my wife is a big fan of Clue. I don't know if you've ever seen Clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like Clue. I, I saw it because of her. But mm-hmm. I think this is the best whodunit movie I think ever made. I agree. It, it, I agree. It, it is fantastic. Uh, all right. Next up for me is drama. I'm glad that you did not pick this. This is my uh, my number two film of 2019, uh, and that is The Irishman. Ooh, nice. The big, the big uh, behemoth. The yes. Un- it, <laughs> four hours sit down watching life. I saw The Irishman at uh, NYFF, and I did not feel those three. In- I've seen The Irishman five times. <laughs> Mm. I adore this movie. I think the, yeah. for me, I've spoken to many people about this throughout the last two years. And I think that it goes on kind of in a similar conversation that you have with, um, with once upon a time in Hollywood, where you have certain expectations of what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You hear Martin Scorsese, you hear Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci. You think you're just going to get this batch of crazy moth film. But I mm-hmm. think what we end up getting is something better is an examination of life, an examination mm-hmm. of life's mm-hmm. choices. And I think that works so well, especially at the period of their lives and where they're in. They're at the twilight mm-hmm. of their lives. And you can look back at decisions that you're made and you look at robert de niro's decisions throughout the film and where Mm -hmm. he ends up at the end like he protected these guys to the end and where does he end up he ends up in a room by himself on christmas day or christmas night and i think that works with the impact of the film for me and i for me al pacino is my favorite actor of all time 
And I think Pacino gives his best performance in like 25 years since Heat in this movie. Mm. He is so fucking great. De Niro does the same thing. But while Pacino, while I love Pacino, I got to throw some love to Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci gives the most nuanced, oh, subtle boy. performance of his fucking career that mm-hmm. no one, not one person expected. And I was watching a documentary about the Irishman and Marty was, that's how he was able to get Joe to come get in. Get him back. Because mm-hmm. he explained that you're not going to be doing the same over the top shit that you've done, you know, for me before. You're going to do something right. a lot more nuanced, a, char- a real character study. And I think mm-hmm. for me, the Irishman, I'm, I've seen it five times, and I think it just holds up for me every single time. And in an mm-hmm. era where we have Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Irishman is now short. <laughs> so, um, no, yeah. So, yeah. Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> and by the way, um, during the end of, I guess during the middle of the movie where De Niro starts heading the Teamsters, mm-hmm. I live by that building. Mm. So, it, I see it every, the Teamsters were very big in my area. So, uh, those buildings still exist. It is still labeled the Teamsters buildings. I wow. believe they're abandoned, but they are still labeled Teamsters. So it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. It was close to home. It's kind of like watching The Sopranos, and I live so close to everything from The Sopranos. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, The Irishman is my pick for drama. What do you got left on your end? Um, I'm looking at the list. I think, I guess I can. We did. Uh, I guess drama was my action. Yeah. I did the drama. So is it is it flex? Is that, yeah, is that I got. I, I for me, I have action and flex left. Okay. Uh, so did I miss one? Do I have this one? So one, you have horror? you've done action, horror, sequel, drama, and comedy. Okay. So, so it should be seven total. So yeah, yeah, you only have two left. You have uh, you have action and no, you have flex and I'm tr- looking at here. Did you did sequel? Oh, drama. You didn't do drama. No, you did drama. Yeah, the parasite. What did? What did you miss? I think Flex might be my only one left. Yeah, I think. thank you. Yeah, I think you do have okay. Flex left. Yeah, and that's any film of so any, any genre. genre of that year. That's what, this one's a tough one because you have so many options here. Yeah, jeez, what am I gonna go with this one? I'm gonna. Oh, yeah, uh, you didn't do Blockbuster. That's the other one you didn't do. Oh, you, okay, is that was that you put my end game? You put End Game in action. So if you okay. want to, if you want to, John Wick with sequel. Okay, got yep. you. Uh, okay, let's see, let's see, let's see. Let me do. I think I might keep in game in my blockbuster. Okay, so I'll switch that to blockbuster for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay, cool. So it still just leaves me with my flex and action. In action. Okay. Ah, oh, jeez. Let me. Let me. I was trying to look through action right quick. Man, da, 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 da. I'm, I'm my action to be, I, I, I'm not going to lie, like outside of the norm, like John Wick and the Marvel films, action was tough in 20, yeah, 2019. Yeah, it really was. Looking at this list, man. You know what? Hell, I'm going to go for it, man. I know a lot of people poke fun of this franchise and this series uh, as a whole. This is a spinoff, I and I had a hell of a fun time <laughs> with here. it, man. Black Superman, The, the Rock, Jason yes. Statham, Vanessa Kirby. Give it to me. Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. And that is your flexor action. That's my action, man. Nice, I had a yeah. fun time with that film, dude. It's just stupid. Like people pick and choose Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, it's stupid, but it's a good movie. That's the same thing I feel about uh, Fast and Furious, man. The franchise as a whole, but this film in particular, it is ridiculous. Yes, cars flying and gets each other, defying gravity. Great kind of '80s one-liners with the black Superman and Eater's elbow. I mean, this is like true action pumped into this franchise, and I can't wait to see what they do with the follow-up and. 
rumor has it that the big bad behind everything, and we never saw their faces. I think they were working behind the scenes to get, we talked about this man earlier, Keanu Reeves as the villain of that franchise, which I would love to see. So give me Hobbs and Shaw for action. Let's man. do it, yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on that. I, I'm i actually not overly big on the Fast fast franchise, yeah. but I am love The Rock just being a big wrestling fan, just seeing mm-hmm. The Rock where he was, and you know he pretty much takes his wrestling character and takes it to 100 with every movie that he does. Yep. I... um. I knew that I was in a Hobbs and Shaw because it was it was already in the works when Fat, uh, Fate of the Furious came out. Yeah. So when The Rock caught a missile with his bare hand, I knew that Hobbs <laughs> and Shaw was going to be the best thing I've ever seen. So and it was the most ridiculous thing I saw that year. And it and yep. with the movie where we have aliens attack a, a, a world with Avengers mm-hmm. Endgame. Mm-hmm. The, Hobbs and Shaw had more ridiculous shit. I, it, yep. it, and I mean, I can't wait for the sequel. I actually am looking Same. forward more to the sequel than the new Fast mm-hmm. and the Furious. Although I, I think, agree. although I think John Cena is going to do well. I think John Cena. Uh, uh, no, I don't. I, uh, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those John Cena haters. I'm actually looking forward to him in this Peacemaker role in uh, Suicide Squad and his own spinoff. But I did not enjoy him uh, in that in, in the trailer so far. Obviously, we haven't seen the film yet, but. I, him and Dom and him being brothers, come on, man. I don't, know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We can't see him, so you know. No, we can't. I, I, I think it's weird that they've released that that twist in the se- in the trailer. In the trailer, what are they? They throw they threw everything at us. Which and, and surprisingly enough, when we see the film, it's like, oh no, they haven't thrown everything at us because they're gonna go to space probably, and there's time travel involved, and Han's back, so. The ridiculousness never ends with that franchise, but I love it because they know exactly what they are. For sure. And now for me, the action. I got the bare bones on the action genre here. There's, there's, I'm actually, this is, this is like drama slash action. So I went Mm. with 1917. Ooh, that's a good pick. I, it's one of my favorite war films of, that I think I've ever seen. I, I, I'm a sucker. I'm a big sucker for these one take movies. Mm-hmm. And I and the fact that Deacons is the one that shot it. I mean, Deacons goat. is the goat. Yeah, mm-hmm. him and Chivo are the goats. I yeah. think that it adds so much to you taking you within that world and you feeling what they're feeling throughout the mm-hmm. entire film. Mm-hmm. The tension that's created throughout the film is is insane. I think there's a the scene that comes to mind is when they're in the bunker and that mm-hmm. bu- and that bomb. I think it was the mine that goes off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the way that is shot is so beautiful and i mean yeah. i love joker's score it's my favorite of that year but thomas newman's score in that movie is unbelievably heartbreaking and i adore it yeah. so much it was my favorite my second favorite score outside of joker that year uh yeah Thanks. 1917 and uh in terms of war films it's in my top i i would probably put it in my number four spot number four or five after mm-hmm. um, after um uh, Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now, Saving Private Ryan, and I th- I would put 1917 up there just for it, what it accomplished and the fact that it's a uh, World War One film. We don't get that often. Mm-hmm. Usually, True. it's all about Vietnam and World War Two. So mm-hmm. this my list is looking extra Oscar-y prestige. I did not <laughs> did not plan to do that, but yeah, the 1917 is my action film, and then we're both finishing off on the same. Uh, category what is your flex oh man i'm looking at one two three four films that i i I just want to put on this list so bad and i don't know who's going to come out victorious as i'm literally stalling right now to to pick between these four while i'm looking at it which one was higher on my list that year i'm looking at it i'm gonna go for it jojo rabbit nice i'm going jojo rabbit dude that film had me in tears uh both for laughing but also emotionally 
Uh, I don't know how he did it. Uh, the subject matter, the character involved in the film. Uh, but he accomplished something that I think perfectly summarizes what makes Taika Waititi one of the hottest directors out there, one of the biggest names that people marvel, as well as, uh, you know, Star Wars wants to work with, everyone wants to work with him because he just has something about him that he's able to tackle such a serious subject matter, you know, a Schindler's List of a sorts type of film, but then give you hints of comedy, a coming-of-age story, uh, a story about fighting for your family, fighting for what's right, humanity, being good. I love, it was my number two behind Parasite that year. I, I adore Jojo Rabbit, man, and Taika Waititi is, to me, submits himself as one of the best directors working today from that film. Previous work as well, but this in particular just shows me who Taika Waititi is as a director, and he's he's one of the greatest right now working in, in the industry, in my opinion. Totally, no, I, I totally agree. I I have a uh, recommendation for you. So I adore Jojo Rabbit, and you kind of nailed the reasons that I, that I adore it as well. Now, have you ever seen The Great Dictator? Uh, the uh, the Charlie the Cha- the Charlie Chaplin, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a uh, when I went to school for film and video that was like on the on the docket to see, yeah, yeah. So that's such a good companion piece to Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. and it does what makes what makes a great dictator even more wild is that he was able to do this during the war, right, 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 right. So that that is batshit crazy, and uh, Chaplin is a master masterful performance. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad you didn't pick this film for drama because i can now yeah. finish off and flex my flex is uncut gems and, and i've literally I'll, I'll give my one that i was picking from uh to choose from but that's a, that's that was one of them that was yeah one of them. i i am <clears throat> not i am not the biggest adam sandler fan and i've mm-hmm. gone on record on this podcast over the last four years saying i'm you know i i like his old stuff i can yeah, give or take yeah. his comedy i hated hubie halloween last year <laughs> um what i saw in uncut gems <laughs> gives me two things and it was my second favorite my second favorite male performance after joaquin last in that year um it makes me long for sandler to do more things like this and it makes me sad that he didn't do more things like this up to this point but like my wife always says he knows what his niche is he knows what he makes money off so kudos to him for doing what he's doing Mm -hmm. but him and uncut jim it it gives me everything this movie has comedy this movie's a Mm -hmm. drama and this movie is essentially a sports film and it does Mm -hmm. so much and it sprinkles in so much greatness i can have you seen shiva baby I haven't yet, but I okay. heard it's really good. So Shiva Baby is my number, my number one, my number one or two of the year. It's for, it's Judas Ooh, and Shiva like competing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you love Uncut Gems, this is exactly the feel mm-hmm. of Shiva Baby. It is nice. So much back noise going around, and that's exactly <laughs> what happens when you're going where you're in a situation like that. You don't drown out by by this editing. You don't drown out. Uh, the noise behind you you just deal with it and i think the movie does a great job of creating tension within the atmosphere of everyone surrounding the sandman um mm-hmm. and lakeith stanfield's fantastic he has the he has a character i want to smack mm-hmm. every single time like when he takes <laughs> the for, jewel dude whenever he did that jewel just like give him oh man for, the anxiety in that film for is me like you as a sports fan like he takes him did he take him to the celtics practice right in philly or something along mm-hmm. those lines he took him to the air to the practice facility to get the the jewel and the then diamond, he ditch, yeah. and then when he ditches him i'm like oh <laughs> my god tell you god. dude the anxiety level in that film especially that ending oh my gosh I I felt bad for the I, I knowing the Safdie brothers because I love Good Time and mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm. wait to see what the next thing they do. Yeah. Knowing the Safdies, yeah, I should have I should have expected something the like ending. 
Yeah. So I actually, I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna hit that parlay, and for anyone that gambles, that parlay is not easy. So the mm-hmm. fact that he hit that is wild. But um, getting the ending that we got is it's 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 bittersweet. It's kind of what yeah. we expected to happen. But yeah, this movie is incredible. I love it. I understand why people hate it because they probably thought they were getting what they usually get from Sandler. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to this the, his next serious film. I think he's doing that. He's a sports agent. It's a sports world, yeah. We say another yeah. sports world, right? Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you know he got his little Hubie Halloween out of his bag. He can. He, <laughs> he can, said he was going. Hey, if I don't get not what was it? I don't get nominated or something. I'm going to make the worst film ever. Which I don't think Hubie's the worst. No, film no. It's that in, he's it, made, but yeah, it's in my worst of that year. But it's not the mm-hmm. worst that he's made. What do you think before we end? Because th- this is a great exercise and i think we both had great lists here um what do you think is his worst Ooh, i mean and not to be i love dude th- give me don't get me wrong i grew up with adam salmon so it pains yeah, me yeah. to say that he has a unfortunately an abundance of terrible films to, to choose from I, I it might be between some of the grown-ups films uh it might be jack and jill that might actually be number one for me pixels was trash the Ridiculous Six was trash. I, I think I'm going to go with Jack and Jill just yeah. for the fact that Al Pacino was in it too and that I don't know how he was able to get Al Pacino to play in that film. Uh, I'm going Jack and Jill. That yeah. film no, was I, horrendous. I, I'm the same. I uh, Seeing Al Pacino doing a Dunkin' Donuts commercial was my <laughs> was my end game. That, I, that was not it for me. And the fact that Sandler made him do that, one of the greatest of all time. No, it's not the Godfather, I'll say that. Um, but yeah, that wraps everything up. This was, this was fun, man. This is, uh, this is really, really fun. We have two great lists. Um, and, Shows how good 2019 was that there was a Great lot year, left man. on the table. It was yeah, literally, and just to throw out my kind of wild picks or not wild picks, but stuff that I wanted to put on the on the docket: The Lighthouse, uh, Little Women, Honey Little Boy, Women, yep. um, uh, Farewell was on my list. I wanted to put in that small independent in, in, engine that could with the horror film and Ready or Not. Britney runs a marathon was something I was really surprised by. Uh, and there was a couple animated films too, like Klaus that year that I really enjoyed. And also uh book smart. Oh yeah. <laughs> Love book smart. And I mean, yeah. surprisingly I, I was expecting, and I think I'm going to add this category next month for animated mm. film, but yeah. I, I looked at animated film and I really just felt like it was Klaus and toy story four. Mm. I didn't really think that there was like an array of greatness, but like you, you nailed it. Uh, marriage story. That's another one. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. The the assistant. I don't know if you've seen that yet. It was released Is in twenty twenty. Uh, my girl from uh, from Ozark. Yes, it was mm-hmm. released in uh, officially. It released in twenty twenty, but it premiered in twenty nineteen. So it technically counted mm-hmm. as a twenty nineteen film. Uh, oh, Dolomite was my name. I, that, that oh was my god, yeah, Dolomite. Here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I know you wanted to give love to Godzilla, King of the Monsters, right? Of course, right? That and X Men. Uh, what was that? Dark, Dark Phoenix. Phoenix that Dark year? Phoenix, man. Oh my god! <laughs> Can't forget Star Wars too. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm a big Star Wars is my favorite franchise, but I could, yeah. I, I couldn't do it with a straight face. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, I, I do want to throw love to one more film. Didn't quite make my list, but fighting with my family. I was literally about to say that, dude. I was just about to say that. That movie, as a wrestling fan, and. Mm-hmm. I love Paige. I love her story. It is one of the dark horse comedies of 2019, and I, I, I not a lot of people talk about it, so I wanted to give a, a shout that out to that. Good pick. And one more, I'll throw one more in the mix. It just shows you how great 2019. I'm, I'm a big uh, Ari Aster fan, so Midsummer. Oh, I love that yeah, film. yeah. We spoke about. I think we spoke about our, uh, Ari Aster. Oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't know how I forgot about this one. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan, and uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot. Mm. Really, really, I didn't see it. It's I haven't um, seen it yet. 
It's dependent on how you feel about him as a director. As a director, yeah. yeah it's one of those feel. situations where, like, if you like his films, this is yeah. going to hit the feels. If you really All aren't right. it, th- th- this wouldn't be it for you. But, yeah, I wanted yeah. to throw some love for that. So, yeah, that wraps up this week, this month's Cinephile Roundtable. Uh, as always, Elliot, go ahead and plug your stuff, and thank you so much for being on, as always. Yeah, no doubt, man. Hey, man, it's always I always look forward to this forward to this every month that we come together and uh, look forward to seeing JC come back next month and, and you know, hearing all his uh, great takes on stuff. So, yeah, man, as far as like content, where you guys can find me on the interwebs, uh, YouTube is primarily where all my content goes. Uh, try to do as many reviews as possible as far as new content, as well as having some deep dives into certain shows like a Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, you know, when Lovecraft Country was out, diving deep into the shows and having some great panelists on that. Um so you can catch me there talking about the latest movies, the latest uh, TV shows, and again, doing a lot of live streams. Then also, you know, if you guys want to follow me on the social media accounts, Instagram at Movie Files, Twitter at Movie Files Live, uh, TikTok at Movie Files, and uh, also Letterbox at Movie Files. Nice. And then you guys can follow me at Real Talk Inc. And I am on Letterbox, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff. So until, until next month, see you at the movies, kids. Mm-hmm.